249 here locally in Jerusalem. Of course, 749 back home in New York City as we return to what is day two of four days of programming live from Alex Trayman's JNS Studios here in Jerusalem. And as I told you about all morning long, Rachel Goldberg, who joined me on this program about three weeks ago, was right about the time that the October 7th tragedies were 100 days old. And because of Rachel now wearing a 116 on her shirt, I wore number 100 on my lapel when I was on Fox News with Brian Kilmeade that Saturday night. She told me about it. So now I know it's exactly about 19, 20 days ago. Her son Hirsch has been held captive since that awful day. He, you know, of all the, you know, all the kids I see and, and the girls we see often, Noah and Amia's home. But for me, the boys, the men, uh, Hirsch is the one that I keep seeing. And I've seen his mom, who's so courageous on television, do media a thousand times in an effort to bring home not just her son, but the other 130-plus hostages that are still being held. So it was an honor having Rachel on my radio show three weeks ago, but to actually be looking at you, you're sitting right in front of me, is, is pretty intense. It's great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm glad you are here. I'm not going to ask you this question, how right. are you, because that's right. a stupid question. Right. Uh, but it is 116 now. So it is 116 still feel like yesterday because the last time you were on you said just rewind the tape from yesterday every day since october the 7th has been the same still that way yes right it does really it's a very um unique feeling that time doesn't pass and time passes meaning we're frozen in time of october 7th that day is every day. It's Groundhog's Day, uh, a movie I never saw, but I know that the reference is that you wake up and you're just trapped back in a certain day, and we are trapped in October 7th. So the last thing, and I hate to bring back these, uh, these hurtful memories, but for the audience I have to, you heard from Hirsch, uh, you had heard from a, a, uh, a witness who was, I guess, in the pile of bodies that his arm had been blown off uh, underneath the elbow, uh, but he still managed to text you when he was on the way back to Gaza in one of their trucks, these animals. And he said, um, I love you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, of course, in anticipation of the pain that you and your husband, your family and friends were about to feel. Clearly, he's a wonderful kid to say that. I'm sorry. He actually said, I'm sorry. And that was the last time you heard from him. And you've heard nothing since? Nothing. Is that right? Well, just to correct it a tiny bit of the sequence of what happened, the chronology, um, we had received those texts at 8.11 in the morning on Saturday morning, and that we now understand from the video that we have seen, that was before he was captured. Gotcha. So he was in the bomb shelter with 28 other young people from that music festival, and the bomb shelter came under attack, and it was at some point either right before that attack or as that attack was happening, that he managed to send us two quick texts saying, I love you and I'm sorry. And then the bomb shelter was attacked with hand grenades yeah. and machine gun fire. Most of those kids were dead. 
uh, right away. And the few who were hiding under the bodies, as you mentioned, were able to tell us that when Hirsch, Hirsch stood up, because Hamas gunmen came in and told three of the young men who were wounded but clearly alive, they couldn't pretend to be dead, told them to stand up and come outside, that's when they told us that they saw Hirsch's left arm from the elbow down had been blown off. And then uh, the three young men were marched outside to a Hamas pickup truck. And the last phone cell signal that we had from Hirsch's phone was at 1025 in the morning inside of Gaza. And since then, we don't have any information um, from the hostages who were released in that first cohort um, in November, at the very end of November, we understand that the first people who were taken, and Hirsch was one of the early morning people who were taken, um, the first stop was medical treatment. So the working assumption and our prayerful, hopeful assumption is that he did get medical treatment for that spontaneous amputation that he had suffered in the bomb shelter. Did somebody tell you they saw a tourniquet wrapped around or he had done that? I thought I heard that somewhere. Um, he was wearing a sleeveless shirt and the three people who we spoke to who saw him stand up had all told us that there were a few minutes from after the attack until the uh, people from Hamas entered the bomb shelter. And during those few minutes, it was very hot, it was very smoky, and it was very dusty. So I think that Hamas was waiting outside for the dust to settle. And it must be that during those few minutes, Hirsch somehow created some sort of bandage or tourniquet of some sort, because everyone noticed that there was fabric hanging from the wound. And in the video that we have, we can see when he turns to sit down on the pickup truck, the stump mm. where his mm. arm was, you see jagged bones sticking out, and oh you do see, and you do see um, fabric wrapped around it. You do see that, Rachel Goldberg. So that was a Shabbos morning. Correct. And I think I heard you also say that you're pretty religious. You don't usually go to your phone on Shabbos. Right. Was it mother's intuition, or had you heard that something had happened? Why did you put your phone on that Saturday morning? So it was right around 8 in the morning. I was sitting at our kitchen table having a cup of tea. My husband at 7.30 had left for synagogue, and we started to hear, I started to hear bomb sirens in Jerusalem. So I ran to my girls. I have two daughters. I ran to their bedrooms to wake them up so we could get into our bomb shelter that's in our apartment. And we waited. The protocol is you wait 10 minutes after you hear a, a bomb siren. And if you don't hear an explosion, then you can come out. So when I came out, I knew that Hirsch and his best friend were camping out somewhere. But, I but that, that was very where. far from here. That was like a couple of hours south. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know where they were. That's All I knew is that rockets were falling somewhere, and my son was sleeping outside with his friend, and I wanted to make sure they were okay. So I said to my girls, I'm turning on my phone, and I ran to the drawer where we keep our phones on Shabbat, and I turned it on, and that was at 8.20ish, and the two texts had popped up, both from 8.11. What, um, boy, what do you do next? After that, you got so, those two texts. What did you do next? Right. So there was a panic. Obviously, you know, my throat closed. My stomach clenched up immediately because I just knew, especially the I'm sorry, that he was in the midst of or about to experience something horrible. Um, so I said to my 20-year-old daughter, we have to figure out what is going on. 
around Israel that would have been where these boys were, that something bad is happening. So at this point, you still had no idea. No idea, because we don't use the TV, the radio, nothing. So my daughter helped me on my phone, and right away she found an advertisement for the Nova Music Festival. And she said, you know, Hirsch had just returned from nine weeks in Europe, going to six different countries by himself. In each country, he went to a music festival. So he was wild about music festivals, and the best friend he was with was an incredibly accomplished lyricist, musician, and singer. And so it made sense that the boys would have been at the festival. So we, I texted a third friend of theirs who was out of the country, but I said, are Hirsch and Honor at the Nova Festival? And he said, they are there. Wow. Uh, well, you did uh, promise me that when this is all over with and Hirsch is home and he goes on his next big uh, music tour, if you will, that you would come in with him and he would visit me in New York. I'm going to hold you up to that. I'm sure he'll love going on a music tour with his mother. He would like that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, after this, maybe. He may. Maybe. He may. Yes. This is going to change people just a little bit. So let's take a quick break. When we get back, uh, the United States seemingly working on this, Israel working on this, but there's a big war going on in the South and maybe now in the North, too. How much more difficult does it make it for Israel to bring our Hirsch home? We'll talk to Rachel Goldberg on the other side of this incredible conversation, only right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800 560 0214, for a free consultation or email. Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. And uh, sitting with me live this morning is Rachel Goldberg, who at one point put on a video on Instagram, which we played locally at 6 o'clock this morning, where she said, for the longest time I was a woman, and then I became a mother. And uh, there's a stark difference between the two. When, when I met my wife, for example, she wasn't even a woman. She was a girl. <laughs> then she became a woman, and now she's a mother. 
So when you said that in that video, hard for people who are not parents to understand the difference, but it all changes. You know, I've got two children. You've got a couple of daughters. Uh, you're worried about Hirsch, obviously, but you've got other children to worry about, too. And it is a full-time job. I do this. You've got a job. But the truth is, anything happens to somebody at home, and everything else stops. You were a woman. Now you're a mother. Big difference, right? Definitely. I think um, it just changes how you move in the world. And so I, I think... I've spoken with many mothers about it, that there's something about that first child because they change who you are in the universe. And so Hirsch, you know, is my eldest. Right, 23. Um, he's 23. Just turned 23 he, that day. He turned 23 on October 3rd. Okay. A couple days before. He was before. celebrating on that day. Correct. Okay. Right. And, he, um, and he's my only son. And uh, there's a special connection. Of course. So uh, I've also got one son, too, Gabriel. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm the father, not the mother, obviously. But I know what you're talking about. So before the break, uh, we went to the break, actually. I said to you, I, I don't know how you do it. I know you hear that all the time. It's got to be annoying. But it's true. I don't. I don't know how you do it. But you said, well, and then you stop yourself. And you said, let me save it for the air. So what do you do every day? How do you do it? Um. Well, there is the moment that I open my eyes in the morning um, after a drug-induced bad sleep mm. that our family doctor prescribed sleeping pills like horse pills for mm, us I'm sure. uh, because we couldn't sleep at all uh, those first few days. And they're supposed to give us somewhere between six and eight hours of sleep, but there's something about the three-hour mark that we generally just wake up Pop with up. a Palpitations. start. I think it's the psyche can't go deep when it's in trauma, which we are still very much in trauma. This is very different than regular trauma because this is ambiguous trauma. The truck is still running us over. You know, normal trauma is it hits you out of nowhere, sure. whatever that trauma might be. Um, but then the hit moves on and however long it's going to take you to recover from that hit is individualized but for us the hit is still on us so we can't proceed mm. so all we do full-time is try to save Hirsch and try to save these other hostages so I wake up in the morning with a start always and my throat closes a little like it did on that first day and then I say there's a one-line prayer that some Jewish people say upon waking, which is a beautiful prayer, thanking God for giving me my soul back and having faith in me to give me another day. Um, and then I say to myself, um, let this be the day. And then I say, and now pretend to be human. Mm. And I get up every day and I put on this costume mm. pretending to be a person so that I can go out in the world and interact with people and try to save my son. If I'm in a ball on the floor in the fetal position crying all day, which right, is what right. I feel like doing, sure. that might be what I feel like doing, but that is not going to help save him. Not just save your son, but I would imagine there's got to be guilt involved because you've got two daughters. He's not your only right. child. Right. So right. it's unfair to them Correct. To, to have them basically without a mother. Correct. If he was an only child, I would get that, right? But you've got three children, right? Correct. So Correct. you can't afford to just do that to them. Right. And, you know, what's been incredible for me and also makes me feel 
proud but also sad is how resilient my girls are being. So on the one hand, I'm very proud of their resilience and their ability to be maternal to me. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I feel sad sure. that they have to be maternal. Were they clo- are they, I shouldn't say were they. Are they close with Hirsch? They're very close with Hirsch, okay, both of them. Good. Um, and it's interesting because they give me a lot of optimism because they, from the get-go, have said, he's coming home. He's coming home. And he's going to be fine. They are so convinced. Yeah. They said, okay, you don't need two arms to have a great life. Like They, they have such faith in him and his strength and his ability to recover from this extreme unimaginable situation that he's in and that gives me a lot of strength sure of course you know some of the uh, terrorists took the phones from some of the victims and they reached out to the parents uh in really uh horrible way you know making fun and taunting and that type of thing but i guess for some of those parents as awful as that was at least they knew that their child was alive. Did that, that never happened, I guess, with you. There's been nothing about him. Zero contact, not from anybody, just nothing, right? Correct. Okay. Um, tell me about the efforts, without getting political, because last time I felt badly, I told you I wouldn't get political, and I badmouthed Biden. I can't help it. <laughs> um, tell me about the efforts, I'm thinking, uh, from the United States, from Israel, how you, be- how you believe they are doing in efforting to return your child home. Well, immediately when we put together what had happened on the 7th, my first phone call was to the U.S. Embassy to say there is an American citizen, civilian, who is missing. That was before we knew anything. We, and in fact, that first 36 hours, we assumed Hirsch was one of the 367 kids who were massacred. Um, at the festival. We, in fact, had good family friends who went down to the different hospitals going through the bodies because we didn't think we could handle doing that. So we had friends go through the bodies because, you know, these kids at these festivals, they're wearing shorts and tank tops. They're not exactly, like, carrying around ID. Right. Um, So it was really traumatic for them and, and really just such a demonstration of their love and support for us that they didn't want us to have to do that. Um, we, um, have felt from the beginning, lucky, gracious, blessed to be American. And we have absolutely felt that the American administration, the Congress, every single person we've met from the most right-wing Republican to the most progressive Democrat, such unbelievable support for trying to help free not just Hirsch but you know there are uh, a total of six US citizens who are still today being held alive there are two that we know of who were taken who unfortunately have passed but are their bodies are in captivity uh, US citizens and we have felt tremendous support and action from America it not yet has resulted in uh, the situation where we would like to see him free. Right. I would say the same thing about the Israeli government, that um, I'm hopeful that they are trying to do their very best. I realize they have a lot of balls to juggle. Where America, you know, it's six people, and it's not, 
you know, this, this operation is not happening right in their neighborhood. So I think it's a different set of circumstances, and I realize that, but I pray fervently that um, the Israeli government will do what is morally right and what is morally obligated when, when you fail your citizens, because at the end of the day, what Hamas did was an atrocity, but we dropped the ball that day. No doubt, no doubt. Look, and I'm a big Netanyahu fan, but he's going to lose his job over this, and deservedly so. Uh, and so did the Americans, by the way. Both Israel and America had intelligence failures that day. But, but, Bibi now will try to regain, he's out, he's done, he'll try to regain some of his legacy by destroying them. And you don't have to admit, he's in a difficult position, not Biden, but he is because he's got to find a way to keep Hirsch, get him home, and at the same time eradicate a group that doesn't care, quite frankly, about Hirsch or any human beings. So he's in a very unenviable position. I think you'd agree to that. I think he is in an unenviable position, and I also think that his legacy, he is at a crossroads. His legacy can be he saved these people, he atoned, he repented for the mistake of not protecting these innocent civilians. Yeah. You know, the majority of these people who were taken from the kibbutzim were elderly people who were dragged in their underwear yeah. because it was a hot day. And these kids, these hippie, crunchy granola kids who were at a music festival for peace and light, mm -hmm. who were dragged, almost 50 of them, away. This is the time to atone for that and make right. Bring them home and also normalize relations with with Saudi Arabia. That was what was sort of on the trajectory yes. before the this. Accords. And that could be his unbelievable, enduring legacy. So he is at a crossroads or 136 coffins can come across oh, yeah. the border. And we don't want that. And he doesn't want that. I know that. What part of America are you from? I grew up in Chicago. Oh, you did? That's why I have a nice accent. <laughs> were you down right there by the water? I sure was. Oh, My mom were. is still there. Oh, she's still there? Sure. Love the uh, Chicago Bears? Uh, Mike Ditka, you won the Super course. Bowl when you were a kid. Of course. Coach Ditka. Of course. <laughs> I couldn't tell because you've got some New York moxie, too. And oh, you're brilliant. You're very smart. So I couldn't tell if it was Chicago. The accent is more like Chicago, but you seem a little New York to me. Oh, that's a really? huge compliment. Is yes. it? I was, I'm yes. trying to decide. Yeah, no, that's okay. a huge compliment. Okay. How long have you been here? So we moved here the summer before Hirsch turned eight years old. So 15 um, years. Yes. Long time. Yes. And you guys love it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Even with what's going on and with what Hirsch is going through right now, you can still say without any hesitation, I love Israel. Yes. Wow. Listen. No place is perfect. Do I have criticisms of Israel, of our government, of things we do? Don't you have criticisms of things in America? I and hate you're my government. And you're, st <laughs> yeah. and you're still a proud American. I am. Okay. Yes. Yes. So you don't, you know, and that's, I think the world has to be a little bit more flexible with the idea that you could be proud of where you come from and who you are, and it doesn't mean you're in line and uh, kickstep with every single thing that you're that your state does, that your government does, that your leaders do, and that's okay. How often do you meet with somebody at the State Department, whether it's Blinken or somebody else, where they give you some type of update, hey, Rachel, here's the deal. We were in a tunnel today somewhere in Gaza, and we saw something that leads us to believe there were some hostages here, maybe a bloody tourniquet, maybe something else. How often do you get any information 
that leads you to believe maybe, maybe they're on the right track. We get information from Israeli intelligence on things like that. We have um, two different representatives from Israel that are in charge of our family. And they touch base with us. I mean, one of them would touch base with us every day, except mm. we finally had to say to her, it's okay, it's we enough. love you and we know that you're <laughs> with us and you don't need to touch base every day. Some people need that. You know, everybody's different. And I don't, there's no judgment there, but we didn't need that. Um, so we get updates like that uh, from her at least every few days or once a week. Um, and America also, when they have anything to share, they're in touch with us. America is very easy for us to reach to. They're very open to us. Uh, the people at the way top. I mean, we will be having a phone call actually at 4.30 today, Israel time, with someone in the administration who's going to update us. And again, it's just six families. So we're, we're so yeah. appreciative. You know, on the way out, you've, um, you've shown tremendous courage. And, and even with me these two times, and meeting you in person is just, you're an extraordinary woman. You really are. Um, and I know that you're confident. And I am, too. I really, I mean that. And I love the fact that your daughters keep telling you he's coming home. But in your darkest days, there's got to be moments, almost every day, where you, at the very least, toy with the idea that he's never coming home. And that, that's it. Um, and your daughters maybe get you out of it, or your husband, or I'm not sure what it is that day, but how often do you deal with that possible despair? Is that a daily thing? You know, it depends. There's always these fleeting moments throughout the day because when you're in so much living in a universe of unknown, your mm. mind can't help but go to scary right, places. Right. And on the other hand, I really... I really believe, I really believe, first of all, I really believe in God. I really believe in Hirsch. And I really believe that he's alive and that he is going to come home. And so when I have those dark moments, I, I often will turn to Psalms. I, I recite Psalms throughout the day. I have one in my bag <laughs> that oh, I keep with you. me. That's I feel great. like it's a self-help book. Yeah, of course. And I look up a Psalm from when other people in our history have been in despair or fear or angst or agony. And I'll read something that King David wrote when he was at his deepest, darkest mm -hmm. uh, point, and it gives me strength. He, uh, he's very proud of you, Hirsch. I guarantee you that. He's <laughs> got to know what, what you're doing every day. So I um, thank you for this. Um, and it was a, a tough trip to get here. Took you about three minutes. I know about <laughs> that. Maybe half. Maybe half that time. <laughs> but uh, it's great to meet you. You and too. If there's anything I can do, WABC, anybody in New York, uh, we we um, our hearts are with you. I promise you that. We talk about you a lot on this show and Hirsch. Thank you. And uh, we only want the best for all of us. I you, hope so. that uh, next time we see each other, he's with me. Me too. And please just keep spreading the word. It's really important not to forget these six American citizens who are trapped there. And uh, you can also follow us on Bring Hirsch Home. Bring Hirsch Home. And that interested. is H-I-R. No. No. H-E-R. Yes, just like a Hershey bar. H-E-R-S-H. -S -S -H. Okay, I want to make sure because I've seen it spelled five different ways. Oh, already. my husband Fox keeps News saying. Fox News spelled it incorrectly. It's always spelled incorrectly, and his last name is hyphenated, so it's right. even worse. Right, right. It's basically three last names, Hirsch, Goldberg, <laughs> Poland. <laughs> We didn't, apparently we didn't really think the full, the full thing through. <laughs> well, listen, the best to all of you guys. Thank you for doing this today. And like you said, hopefully next time I see you, he's sitting right next to you. Okay? Amen, amen. Right. Thank you. That is uh, Rachel Goldberg. That one's easy.
No, nothing hyphenated. And uh, Rachel's easy enough to spell, R-A-C-H-E-L. And, of course, all you listening right now, the huge, huge, huge numbers of New Yorkers listening right now and folks around the world on the app, please say a prayer for our friend Hirsch Goldberg. Let's get him home so we can go see another music festival again and spend some time with his beautiful mother. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.